0: Listening Dog Media. The Heal Is Real podcast with Abby Eastwood and Debbie Mack.
1: Hello there and welcome to the Heal Israel podcast. I'm Debbie Mack. And I am
2: Abby Eastwood. And we've got a very special episode today because we are joined by Serena Scroggins and Miss Dahlia Massoud. Now, Dahlia was Serena's surgeon who helped her explant and get her onto the road to recovery. So hello, ladies. Thank you so much
1: for joining us today. You're welcome.
0: Hi, thank you. Thanks for inviting me.
1: Serena, shall we start with you and uh, your story first of all because uh, you have got quite a story to tell when it comes especially to the (laughs) ex-planting part of your journey. Um, But should we start from the very, very beginning and uh, tell us why you actually got breast implants in the first place? Okay, I was
3: 27 at the time and um, I didn't feel good about my body. I was very thin, Wanted a bit more shape, um, you know. Was brought up, you know, exposed to different magazines and things like that. I was, as a young child, watching programs like Dallas and Dynasty and things like that. You know, all the glamour, the bodies, and everything. You know, Baywatch in particular, um, and you know, from a very young age, I picked up on all of that thinking, oh, okay, well, I'd like, you know, why don't I look like that? I want to look like this. And then growing up, you know, I had eating disorders in my teens and then went into my twenties and I wasn't happy with my body, you know, as I said, very skinny and I wanted, um, more shape. And then I came across breast implants. and I thought, brilliant. Oh my gosh, I can change my body. And, um, Yeah, so I looked into it and everything that I looked into, you know, they were safe and everything, yeah, got booked in, had the surgery and didn't think anything else, you know, didn't think anything else. Just enjoyed, I must admit, I enjoyed having implants. And how long ago was that? So
2: how long have you had the implants in for until you explanted? Um, It was
3: getting, it was about um, 22 and a half years. Wow. Okay. So that's a long time. 22.
1: So let's skip forward a little bit Serena now and and to the point where you realised that there were issues. I know that you didn't know about breast implant illness, which I think is a case with most of the ladies, but when did you start feeling poorly?
3: Um, The first time I started to know symptoms was, I think it was about October, 2021. And I'd had a busy summer. I'd been travelling in the US for the whole summer came back got the kids back into school and then the october i thought wow i feel really wiped out um where usually my energy levels are very consistent and so that was the first thing that i noticed was i was starting to get more tired and i just put it down to you know we've had a busy summer you know you know you work or what whatever's going on in your life you think oh and you know i'm at the age of perimenopause i'm thinking oh my god hey perimenopause just kept going you know the months went by and then it was um, a few months later and I could feel my liver was um, becoming, you know, I, I have a lot of discomfort in my liver. And um, my friend who um, is trained to be a naturopath actually did an assessment on me. And she said, you're having problems detoxing. So I went to see the Chinese medicine practitioner um, for acupuncture and different, I was put on different herbs just to, he said i had got um, had a lot of inflammation in my body. So he said, we need to get rid of that inflammation. So we were working on that just, you know, by working with him, um, just changing slight, you know, different things that are up in my diet. And then, um, I was just, I was getting worse and worse and I just could not get on top of my health. Um, I'm actually a wellbeing and lifestyle coach. So, you know, I have a checklist, a real basic checklist. So I was going through that to make sure, you know, I was doing everything that I could do. Um, And I still wasn't getting better. Um, And then I noticed my eyesight was diminishing. I was getting headaches and migraines, which I'd never had before. Um, And towards the end, just feeling sick, unable to eat. The fatigue was just... Terrible. I mean, there were days I couldn't even get out of bed. Um, just a whole heap of different symptoms that, you know, I didn't know what was going on in my body until I read an article on Instagram about breast implant illness, which all the symptoms there pointed towards what was going on in my body.
2: So, Dahlia, let's bring you into the conversation as well. Hearing what Serena has been saying, is this something that you are now finding more is coming into your surgery with consultations with ladies who have breast implants so you hearing them have these types of symptoms and concerns
0: absolutely i think more as more and more women are having breast implants more and more women are coming into consultations with these symptoms that they not nece- they can't really necessarily target to particularly the implants or a particular time but they know that these um, aspects of their life has changed more tiredness skin not feeling quite right hair not feeling quite as glossy as it used to be and they generally put it down to age or lifestyle which does a lot of it does can contribute to that but there is an element of the implant affecting you in a systemic way that we don't really know why or how it's happening Um, And that's where the problem lies. Although there has been a lot of research to try and target um, why this happens or how it happens, there hasn't really been anything fruitful. But we know that when you have anything foreign in your body... Um, there is an immunological response. The extent to that response varies according to person to person. So when Serena came to see me with these symptoms, yes, not everybody with with implants will have these because not everybody will respond the same um, but there are as more and more people are having them we're seeing more and more people with these symptoms just because of the percentage increase um, and it's really interesting because a lot of these women weren't aware about the potential negative effects of the implants when they had them in because they didn't know. And even if people did know, it wasn't something that they really would have taken seriously because they're so desperate to having these implants. Um, so the doctor might say, you know, you need your implants exchanged or you might get these symptoms, but because they're so desperate into wanting them, um, they will still go ahead and kind of blank that part of the information out of their brains. And then when it happens, they're like, oh, okay. Happened now, Um, and then they—it's like they've heard it for the first time. Do you think that is because Serena touched on it there about the
1: detoxing? Because I'm not sure that you know my story, but I only had breast implants for six months, and within six weeks, I had symptoms, and I got bad quite quickly. And uh, I did have, and still do have, IBS. And if I drink alcohol, I get the most horrific headaches. So I think that after speaking to so many ladies and some surgeons as well, that my detox pathways are blocked and they just don't work very well. And do you think that that could be the main reason for breast implant illness, that, that women are just not detoxing the, well, the toxins that the breast implants give off?
0: It's really difficult to pinpoint why women are getting these symptoms. Um, all we know is that there is an immune response and it uh, immunologically so your immune system protects you from all the toxins that you are exposed to so i suppose it, what you're saying is is true in effect but scientifically we can't really point it out and specifically say it's that or um you know because there are it affects the body in a multi systemic way so although i say immune um, it can affect you in terms of muscle aches and pains or Stiffness or all these things that are, although they're immunological, they're also musculoskeletal, they're also um, psychological, um, there's a psychosomatic response to the implants. Um, So I I wouldn't be able to pinpoint and say, yes, it's specifically detox, but that certainly is an element of it.
2: When we spoke on the phone, Dahlia, before. we've had a little chat before, you mentioned that um, some women have come in to have their implants removed, not necessarily because they said that they had any form of illness at all. Um, But when they've come back to you, they've kind of turned around and said, actually, I didn't realise I wasn't feeling that great. And now I feel a lot better. Can you tell us more about that? Because I think that's such an interesting fact.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of women like Serena have had implants because they want to improve their body image in some way and the implants have done their job they've had their kids and they're in a you know they're in a they're confident within themselves and they know that the implants have got to a point where it doesn't suit their body anymore the implants stay the same but their body has changed and they want their breasts to match their body and their mental well-being so when they have it removed um for other reasons for body image reasons that afterwards they'll come back to me and they will be more energized they'll be going to the gym more it will um, encourage them to eat healthier there is something there is that is linked to the implants that affects you um slowly and insidiously and it just catches up on people and that's when people like Serena may come in and then it may not quite catch up on people but because people lead such busy lives they might not add two and two together and they might have It might not have come into the consultation. um, And that's when they come in. And after the implants have been removed, they definitely see a significant improvement. So a lot of women will say, I want my implants removed. I want to decide what size I want to be. And then I'll I'll come back for a second operation to have them put back. And then after they've had them removed, when they realize they feel so well, they'll say, actually, I don't really want to have my implants put back in. So they've saved themselves. Um, an operation and potential further symptoms if they had them put put back in, so yeah, it's definitely.
1: That's interesting, isn't it? Because I think if most women, if they are getting their implants replaced, they get it all done at the same time. So they, they don't have the opportunity to have that break to realise just how much they are actually affecting their body. But it does. I do think that there probably are many women out there that are not living their best lives and not realising, <laughs> which is a scary thought.
0: Some people, by the time they've got to me, the implants are are so disintegrated so at that point I will say it's not safe to put a second implant back in Um, so I will forcefully give them that break Um, and when I they don't like it um, but when I give them that break actually they're really happy and they don't want the implant put back in so
2: that's amazing and speaking of disintegration, that really does lead us on to Serena's story to go back to Serena and hear more about um, her journey with uh, breast implant illness and what you guys discovered um, about Serena's implants after so many years of being inside her. Serena, tell us more about that.
3: Um, oh, gosh, what a journey. I mean, both you guys have, have been, you know, had your breast implant illness symptoms as well. Um but it was amazing. I just had the impact that these implants were having on my health. Um, and thankfully I came across an article just at the right time. Um, because as I said, there were days, you know, I was up at A&E, they were uh, testing me for sepsis because my symptoms were so bad, but it was, you know, it was making sure I was choosing the right surgeon. Um, and, thankfully, Dahlia fell in my lap. It was just, she, you came highly recommended. And um, then we, you know, went down the road, you know, just the consultations, a couple of consultations. And then thankfully, and um, I was scheduled originally for the March the 3rd. And then um, an appointment came up on January the 13th, which I, um, <laughs> I was so desperate that, yeah, I took that one. But my goodness, Just the experience, just how poorly I felt before surgery and then within hours after surgery. And that was my first one because I had to go back in. Um, But even after my first surgery, just I could breathe again. And my brain fog, just that thick brain fog had lifted within
1: three hours, three hours, maybe. Can I just take you back a little bit further than that as well? Um, Because I know that Dahlia wasn't the first surgeon that you actually saw about explanting, was she? So what experience did you have before you found the lovely Dahlia?
3: Oh, they're completely different. Um, it was after I found the article, and I thought, "Oh my goodness, I believe I have breast implant illness." Um, and I know it can sound ridiculous, but I because I'd had them in for so long, I'd forgotten I had implants. Um, and then reading this article, I'm like, "Oh my gosh, I've got breast implants!" How anyway? So, first thing I did was called my original surgeon who put them in and explained the situation and he was like no problem come down we'll do an ultrasound we'll see what's going on with your implants and we'll take it from there so I went to London in the June and had an ultrasound and they said yeah both of your implants have ruptured they said you'll need to have them removed um, or you can have them replaced but they need to be taken out and I said okay uh, what sort of time frame are we looking at? And they said, well, within six months, as long as, you know, you're feeling okay. I, and I went, I've not been feeling okay for months. And they said, okay, we can come down for a consultation and um, we'll schedule surgery. So I went down in the summer for my first consultation with my original surgeon and sat and had a chat, um, you know, just said, caught up what had been going on for the last 20 odd years And, um, he said, okay, how's your health? And I ran through all of my symptoms. Um, and he completely dismissed everything that I just said to him and said, okay, anything major going on? And I looked at him and I just thought, okay, just, I just let it go. And I'm like, no. And he said, okay, let me examine you. So went to examine me and said, okay, we're replacing them. Are we? And I said, no. I said, did you not listen to what I said about my symptoms? And he's like, oh, he said, okay. He said, well, you can take a break for a couple of years. Let your body settle down. Then you can come back and have them redone. And I, <laughs> just, I like, looked at him and I thought, nope, don't say it as much as I wanted to. And I said, oh, I said, oh thanks very much for letting me know that. And um, so anyway, I was <laughs> I was so desperate to have them done. I was booked in on October the 27th to have them just completely explanted. Oh, in actually, before that, I'd been going backwards and forwards. The more research I'd done on breast implant illness and about the whole procedure and about r- removing the capsules as well. So I spoke to him and I said, oh, this is what I'd like done. Could you please... Remove the implants along with the capsules, and he's like, "Well, you know, you've got to understand, um, your capsules are just a normal part of your body. Your body makes scar tissue." And I said, "Yeah, I understand that." I said, "But the research I've done, I'd like to have the capsules removed." Well, it it can be quite tricky. I don't want to damage any of your breast tissue, so I'm half of my brain's going, "Oh, that's that's really nice," you know. He wants to make sure preserve as much as he can, and then. My other side of the brain was going, well, hang on a minute. But all these women have said, if you don't have your capsules removed, they can be contaminated. You can still have problems. So I was adamant, no, I'm the patient. I know exactly. And he would not give me a definitive yes or no. And, and I thought, mm, that doesn't feel right to me. So I, but I was so desperate that I kept my October 27th date. And then that was the day after I flew back from New York. I was in New York for a few days. And I said to him, um, I said, I'm coming in off a long haul flight. Are you sure this is going to be okay going into surgery? I said, obviously, dehydration, um, more risk of DVT, um, you know, and all that comes with flying. And he's like, no, not a problem, not a problem. He said, you know, I'll see you on the 27th. And I just thought my gut was screaming at me. And I thought he is the wrong surgeon, even though I was so unwell, I thought he is the wrong person to operate on me. So there's me on the Facebook group, like anyone in Norwich, any recommendations? And then luckily Dahlia came up and um, I'd been to see my GP because I was so unwell and he'd managed to sort of get things through a little quicker with Dahlia. But yeah, then, had my um, consultations and yeah, chose the right lady. So
2: Serena, let's just go back to your original surgeon because um, what we haven't mentioned or what you haven't mentioned yet is the fact that your implants were PIP. And obviously your surgeon would have known what he implanted inside you. He would have had your records and having that meeting that day, he would have seen that A, that you had PIP implants and B, that they were ruptured and you're now saying that you're feeling very unwell. So my question really is to you, Dahlia. Shouldn't this surgeon be reported to the GMC, the General Medical Council, for risking a patient's safety and the lack of duty of care for the fact that he hadn't informed her that she had the PIP implants, which... As we all know, is a non-medical grade silicon that was known to rupture.
0: I think um, I think it's difficult to say. um, But in terms of PIP, there are regulations and there have been guidances by the NHS and by the American College of Surgeons. Now, the guidance or the recommendations are: um, if there are, it depends on which country you're in, but there are recommendations that they need to be removed um and um ideally not on the nhs we wouldn't replace them um but um they definitely needed to be removed in fact they should have been removed a while ago, when your surgeon knew, or there was, you should have been, you should have been informed that you had PIP implants, and there were lots of helplines and things set up for patients who did have PIP implants. So the surgical department that the operation took place and should have informed people that they had PIP implants. Um, operating in terms of when you've had a leak. It really does depend on how much of the extent of the leak there is. If you've had, a, I would never put an implant back in if there is significant leak. I always, I always recommend a break. So I would never really put an implant back in, and um, particularly when it's significantly contaminated because there's a significant risk of infection. So I would give patients um a six month break anyway. So from that point of view, um I don't know what the evidence he found on his ultrasound scan was, but. You know, I think choosing your surgeon is, some people, it's about a relationship that you develop. And if you don't click, you don't Mm. click. And if you click, you click. It's trust, Um, isn't it? But in terms of reporting, unfortunately, he hasn't done anything that's reportable. Um, He is following the guidelines in the sense that he has recommended that they removed. Unfortunately, there's nothing in the guidelines that say they have to be removed immediately. And um, that really is down to the surgeon. Um, and unfortunately, there is nothing in the guidelines to say that um, you shouldn't have any new implants put back in. That's really down to the individual surgeon to make that decision according to their clinical experience. Yeah, it was just just, just going back to that. It, it was the disrespect that
3: I felt coming out of there. You know, here's a woman with really severe BII symptoms but I was just, you know, focused. I need to have this done. I want it done as soon as possible. But then as the weeks went on, I was getting closer to my original surgery date. I was just like, wow, the disrespect I felt, you know, coming from, it, it was just, it was heartbreaking, you know, because I thought, wow, you've just completely dismissed all of my symptoms. And now you're encouraging me to put them back in. But
1: yeah, I, I think it's it's crazy as well that you were waiting for weeks after being told that they'd been ruptured, and the fact that they were PIP, but they were ruptured within you, and you were still waiting. Surely that's really dangerous, Dahlia, is it not?
0: Uh, with the PIP implants, definitely, it's something that they need to. They would recommend they come out, but with the modern implants that we have at the moment, if they are de- if they rupture, they're designed to be contained, so we're not under so much urgency to remove them um, and they're called the gummy bear implants so if something does rupture they contain within the breast tissue and they are less likely to spread anywhere so when you do have ruptured implants um there is that less of a fear to have them removed urgently. With the PIP implants, because we know that they're non-medical grade implants, the silicon implants are non-medical grade, um, there is a slightly more urgency to have them removed because we just don't know how they would behave or how your body would behave. So that's the difference between Serena's implants and the, the approved implants that we have these days. Um, it's recommended that they are removed at some point, but the urgency isn't there with the modern ones. I mean, you found
2: some pretty nasty stuff from the video that Serena showed me uh, inside her. Can we talk a little bit about that? I mean, I'm hoping that Serena is going to allow us to put it on the Instagram page so that everyone else can see the the gloopy goo that you pulled out of her. Um, yeah, let's discuss that. I mean, what did you find when, when you were um, operating on her to remove her implants?
0: Well, um, first of all, the implants had disintegrated, as we, as we know. Um, it, has, it had spread throughout um, the, the pocket. Um, there was a, a thick capsule, um, and that capsule was quite adherent to all the tissues around it. Um, So it was stuck to the muscle, it was stuck to the breast tissue, part of it was it creeping inside the armpit as well, Um, and we know there was a bit of a leak inside the armpit, Um, and it was important to get all of that out. The other aspects to implant are that they can be associated with ALCL, which is a form of lymphoma. Now, this is something that happens many, or theoretically many years after an implant. So one thing I needed to exclude, yes, we needed to get rid of all the silicon, get rid of all the capsule. But because the capsule didn't look pristine or clear, some people, when you have the capsule removed, it looks quite nice and it looks quite... Christine and clear. Um, it didn't look quite, you know, nice. So the other thing I wanted to exclude was ALCL, which is a form of lymphoma that's associated with um, the implants. And we needed to scrape everything out to make sure that we got the full diagnosis for that. If if that was a, a full test for that as well. So um, it was disintegrated. It was very very mushed up inside. The capsule was quite thick and it was adherent to the overlying tissue. So in terms of, yes, you have the immunological response, but you've also got a physical response because when everything is stuck down, your muscles are stuck, they don't glide as nicely, your shoulders don't may, may not move as comfortably, and you get a pulling sensation and a pain and discomfort, which initially is quite quiescent but as the pulling gets worse and worse it can cause significant discomfort where you can't sleep at night you can't use your arms properly Um, and it was important to get all of that out so we can get the muscle movement back as well as the silicon out to prevent any further infection or potential infection. Dahlia was that the worst you've seen? Oh I've seen far worse. Have you? Uh, Tell us about that. Oh I mean I mean some people have implants, you'd be surprised, 40 years, 30 years. Um, and the implants become, the capsule becomes so hard, it calcifies. So it becomes like crunchy bone. Calcium is what your bones are made of calcium. So To get inside it, to get the implants and examine it, I literally have to hammer it out or really crush it with my hands um, to get inside of it. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I've seen all sorts, uh, uh, partly because patients don't realize that they need to have their implants removed and they just keep them in until... They get some form of symptom, slowly, gradually getting getting worse, or they've come to that point in life where they don't want to have implants. But yeah, you get there's all sorts. You've got to remember. Um, I, I think in America, the quote is one percent of the population have implants, so that is quite a lot. Um, and in the, I, I mean, that's that's what's registered. You know, there are lots of people that have implants in different countries that isn't registered. There are a significant percentage of women have implants, and they've been having them. Um, the first implants, I think, were in the 1960s, and um, they weren't as common then. But now they're more and more common. So there are a lot of women out there. If you have implants in the in your sixty in, in the 1960s or 70s, that have had implants for many decades, and they are coming through, and we we see them now, and it doesn't look very pretty inside. So is it
2: common as well for the capsule to to migrate to the armpit? I mean, I've never heard that before.
0: It's, just, it's not migrated It's just the the, the, the scalp, scar is so thickened, it kind of grows all the way around the breast tissue. And the armpit is attached to the, the, the part of the breast links into the armpit. So um, when you have a capsule, it will kind of be attached to that area. Um, so when you do an block capsulectomy, it's really important to be meticulous in your dissection because you can cause Pulling or bleeding in the armpit or underneath, because everything is so friable. So the breast tissue is—it has a tail that goes into the armpit, so it will be linked into there if there is any capsule formation that's quite thick.
1: It, it just sounds absolutely horrific, so, Serena. How, how did you feel when you found out what, what was going on inside you when Dahlia told you about the op and you saw the video footage? Well, it was
3: interesting because Dahlia came in um, to check on me, not long, I don't know how many hours it was, maybe a couple of hours after my surgery. And, um, you know, so I'm, I'm a bit out of it on anesthetic, but she came in and she, <laughs> she's like, are you queasy? Because I did ask Dahlia, I said, would you please take a video of what you find, which she kindly did. Thank you. Um and she said, are you crazy?" I went, no. And I remember her showing me a couple of pictures and a bit of a video. I, I can't remember it now, but obviously it was the one you sent through. So, and I was like, okay. And then when Dahlia said, um, yours were the pip implants. And the only thing I remember was they were the ones that were recalled. And she's like, yeah. And I was like, okay. Um, but yeah. And then obviously when Dahlia sent through the video, um, And it was, I mean, I had an idea because Dahlia had sort of said, okay, yeah, everything was, you know, it was a mess. Um, But actually seeing the video and I remember leaving a message for Abby because I was just sobbing and I just sobbed thinking, oh my goodness, I feel so much relief after having explanted, but also just, I guess I was questioning myself, why on earth would anybody do this to their body? Even though, you know, I did enjoy having breast implants, but oh my goodness, if I if somebody had said, okay, this is what could happen, I would have been, no, why would I want to change my body? And, you know, just going through all those emotions you know, beating myself up and then, oh my goodness, I I need to share this for other women to protect other women. And, you know, you you girls know what it's like, that roller coaster of emotions. But, oh my gosh, the video, I mean, the amount of times I've watched it, incredible.
1: Dahlia, can I ask you a question that I've been wondering for a while? Mm -hmm. Um, So, When it comes to a normal explant, if it's not going to be an en bloc and somebody is maybe going to get their implants replaced after, say, having them for 10, 15 years... How, how does it work? Because I've seen all of these videos where the on block, so the capsule's been taken out and then the surgeon cuts open the capsule and takes out the implant. But if you're just taking out the implant and you're leaving the capsule there, are you then putting the implant into the capsule that's already there or pushing that capsule out the way, putting the implant in and then it reforms another capsule? How, how does it work? Are there women walking around with loads of capsules in their bodies?
0: Yeah, there there are. There are Uh, women that are with um, a variety of capsules. So, a capsule is a response to foreign bodies. Um, Even whether you have breast implants, whether you have a hip replacement, if you have any form of metal or any form of foreign material, your body will try and encapsulate it and it will develop this scar. Um, And. with the breast tissue, you have to have a very in-depth consultation to decide whether that scar is dangerous or whether that capsule is dangerous. Whether it be functional, whether it be pathological in terms of cancer or lymphoma. So you have to have that in-depth consultation. If you have decided that that capsule is not pathological, it's not there is there are no symptoms of potential bi uh, breast implant illness, or there are no symptoms of lymphoma for example, and it's nice and thin, there is no real clinical evidence to remove the whole capsule because when it's so thin, it's like it's like slime. It's like a, a bit of snot kind of stuck around the outside of the implant. If you start to remove that, it doesn't come out whole. So you can cause more damage than good but those women that have ha- had uh, have had the implant for many many years or if they've got any symptoms and it's become thickened um that's when you say okay um it's important to have it removed but like you were asking are there women that are walking around with it um capsule yes they're probably quite soft when you take the implant out you shouldn't really put them back in into the old old capsule what you do is you create another pocket a fresh pocket and you put the implant in there
2: so then basically, basically. another, another uh, capsule would then form around that's fascinating
0: yeah. um, and a capsule is a response to the foreign body so once you've removed the implant theoretically that old capsule should never thicken because there's no there's nothing there to respond to it will either just soften by itself, or, or just remain the way it is. Um, so it shouldn't get any worse if there's no foreign tissue touching it.
2: We've spoken to some other surgeons uh, in our last series, and they were saying that they are doing way more explants than they are doing implantation. Would you say that you're finding the same scenario in your clinic?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Last year, I was doing audit. I was auditing my um implants and things like that Um, and I took out more implants than I put back in Um, a lot of the time it's usually women who have um like Serena who have had them in for a long time they've done their job um and they just decided it's not it's not part of them anymore and they just want to have it removed some women have discovered that they've had a leak, um, and other women, they're absolutely fine. There are no symptoms, but they have read up about it, and they've become more educated and more aware of the long-term damage that implants can do, and they've made the educated decision just to have them removed for their own safety to prevent potential injury in the future. So, yeah, I think people are becoming more aware. But um, unfortunately... There are a significant amount of people that, I mean, not unfortunately, I mean, you know, implants are there for a reason to help body image. But there are a lot of women that are having implants without being fully informed as the consequences of the long-term effect. Uh, maybe not in the UK, but certainly abroad and places like that because they're so desperate to have it done.
2: That's really interesting you say that, Dahlia, because... I've been looking into the regulations um, here in the UK. I've been trying to kind of navigate who is in control, really. You know, is it the MHRA? Is it the GMC? So that's a general medical council for anybody that doesn't know. It's very difficult to work out, really, how surgeons are telling patients about the negative effects that breast implants can have and making sure that these women are fully informed. In your opinion, as a surgeon, do you think that maybe the regulations could be a little bit tighter here in the UK to help everybody have a bit more of a, a crystal clear view of what they're walking into if they decide to go ahead with implants?
0: Absolutely. I think the whole of cosmetic surgery needs to be um, better tightened. It's not just breast implants. Um, unfortunately, we live um, in a country where it's very difficult um Lots of people are allowed to do uh, cosmetic surgery, putting in breast implants, and and patients don't really necessarily know what to look for. So, if you want to have breast implants, if you want to have any cosmetic surgery, they don't know how to tell if someone is qualified to do the operation um, because everybody is allowed to do it essentially. You have ENT surgeons putting in breast implants, we have, you know, general surgeons putting in breast implants, we have people from you know, this is all over the world, but also in the UK, um, and we need to make sure that people who are properly qualified, and um, whether it be via the plastic and reconstruction route or whether it's a, they are properly qualified breast surgeons. Um, who do those operations and make sure it's those people that do the operations rather than people outside that field because they know it you know for them it's a numbers game and they can make a lot of money by putting in breast implants and that's what the british bat press and baps i think are working on but it's very very difficult to make that to control that kind of ever growing market of cosmetic surgery same with Botox, same with fillers. Um, there's very little control. Um, any, any, If anyone wants to do it, they can do it, unfortunately. And we need to get a hold of it.
1: And what about your peers, Dahlia, and uh, their views on breast implant illness? Because most of the ladies that we speak to, their surgeons have been very, very dismissive.
0: It, we know it exists. And we do take it very, very seriously. Um, some Some surgeons may emphasize on the breast implant illness more than others, um, but it, it, it definitely exists. The only issue is that we always have to work on research and evidence base and facts. And because there isn't that um, A a plus B equals C with breast implant illness, um, as surgeons who are, can be very scientific, it can be very difficult for them to um, uh, take it more seriously than something like lymphoma, uh, where there is a bit more mm-hmm. solid evidence. So breast implant illness, we do take, I certainly take it seriously, more and more people are taking it seriously but we do need to educate, among, there needs to be more education amongst ourselves also to take it seriously.
2: So do you think that maybe if we change the name from breast implant illness, which to be honest I just can't stand, um, to breast implant associated systemic reactions would make it more acceptable for medical professionals within the industry?
0: I think it would help. Um, a lot of the time, it's not just the surgeons, though. It's it's patients themselves that may be in denial. Um, um, so I think breast implant illness, uh, it, it could potentially affect it, but it's not just the surgeons that need to be aware of uh, the symptoms associated uh, with the implants. It's also patients themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's also GPs. Um, A lot of patients will go persistently to their GPs with headaches and all these other symptoms, and it may not be recognized. So it's more to do with getting the diagnosis out there. Um, But yes, certainly changing the name will help. But raising awareness is key to making sure that uh, we try and help these ladies. I went back
1: to my doctor after I explanted and uh, and told her about it. And she she knew nothing about breast implant illness. And she was mm. fascinated by the fact that I'd been so poorly and had them taken out. And then I felt fine again. Mm. Definitely need to raise more awareness.
0: Yeah, I think, I think we do need to raise more awareness. Yeah, particularly as such a significant percentage of the female population are now having implants and they will continue to do so, um, is something that we do need to waste more and more awareness for. And um, people who are having implants are getting younger, you know, you've got 18-year-olds having implants um Mm. um we, you know it's, it's the a way the society is moving but because they are so young they may not be so fully informed or may not want to be so fully informed and that's why we as the more mature doctors need to let our patients know what's going on and let the gps know what's going on as well that these symptoms exist
2: serena i want to go back to you now i want to hear how you've been feeling since you've had your
3: explant with dahlia Oh, incredible. I mean, as I said before, within the first two or three hours, I could breathe, which made sense given everything that was sitting on my chest. Um, And then the brain fog had lifted. I was like, oh my gosh, I can think straight. (laughs) Um, And then obviously, you know, that first couple of weeks, I couldn't do anything, which made sense. Um, You know, but I could just feel how well I just, Oh my gosh, even straight after surgery, I was just like, my goodness, I feel, I feel different. And obviously that there's a psychological element to that because you know, you've got that stuff out of your body. Um, but as the weeks have gone on, just the, the energy that I have, the, I'm just, Oh gosh, I'm just able to function. Like what a normal person get out of bed in the morning, get up, get up early. I go swimming at six, six thirty 30 in the morning. Yeah, you know, I'm just able to exercise, my breathing. Um, I've just got a love for life. I, I, I seriously feel as though I've got a second chance at lo- of life because, you know, just how unwell. I mean, there were days I thought I was dying. I just felt so poorly. And now this, and I'm like, there's no stopping me now. <laughs> I, just my energy levels are through the roof. I do. I just, I feel incredible. And all the, the BII symptoms I was having have, have gone, everything's
1: gone. I still don't think I've I've got my head around it. I explanted at the end of July and everything that you've just said mm. I felt as well and I'm just so full of energy. Uh, Dahlia, I've actually got some questions here from, uh, from some of our listeners if you wouldn't mind. There's just three of them. First of all, Katie, um, she had her implants removed 18 months ago but the surgeon left the capsules in. So her question is can she just go back to have the capsules removed? um
0: it's very unlikely um it, it depends actually it depends on um how thick the capsule was like i said before not all capsules need to be removed but if they are palpable that means if you are able to feel the capsule through the skin and if you are having persistent symptoms such as pain uh, pulling. Um, sometimes if you re- leave the capsule back in and they it can reform into a cyst, if you have symptoms like that, then you can have the capsules removed. But if you don't have any symptoms, if you don't have any pain um, and you are functionally feeling okay, it, it will depend on after the examination whether you really need to have it removed. Because going back in um, after the surgery and peeling that capsule off, while you've recently had surgery can cause more damage than good, so it depends on your symptoms.
1: Well, she has got symptoms, she says she's been left with functional neurological disorder diagnosis. Um, and Mm -hmm. I think she feels like her nervous system is in a bad way. So I think that she does feel that she had the implants removed, the capsules are there, and she is still having symptoms. So maybe she does need to maybe go back to different... I think she
0: needs to go back and have a, a scan of some sort, whether it be an MRI scan or an ultrasound scan, and that will be able to tell her how much of the capsule has remained Um, and what part of the anatomy is stuck to the capsule. It might be a nerve. Um, One thing that you can get after surgery is once the implant has been removed, if you've removed part of the capsule, you can cause nerve damage, neuromas, um, and that can leave you with long-term pain. So even if she does go back to theater, um, you just, she just needs to be aware that certain symptoms may have been permanent from the actual original surgery, but it's difficult to say without actually examining her.
1: Yeah, and I think you're going to say the same thing about this next lady. Uh, Samantha has got twenty year old implants, four hundred cc. She's been to a surgeon who said that she wouldn't need an uplift. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I, I mean, it, I mean, without examining her, it would be difficult yeah. to say. Um, uh, 400 implants are quite big implants. It does depend on how much breast tissue she has got left behind. Um, If she's got quite a lot of breast tissue left behind, um, it may be a good idea to have an uplift. If she doesn't have any breast tissue left behind or very little, the, the, the surgical procedure of an uplift removes skin and that can leave you with smaller breasts that are tighter and higher up but it it does depend on what what the patient wants really whether they want just a lot of skin to fill a bra or whether they want to look good naked and have a smaller, tighter pair to higher breasts.
1: Okay. And finally, Linda is 52. She explanted 18 months ago. She feels absolutely fine now. She did have BII symptoms. She's wondering if you think that BII can be related to age. What's your experience of ladies that you've spoken to? Are they the more mature ladies that seem to have symptoms?
0: Nope. Not at all. I I put in um, one of my very few implants that I put in in twenty twenty one. She was in her late twenties, so in my view, that's still young. Um, I had to remove them after six months. Um, she wow, same as get, me then. Yeah, apart from I'm really <laughs> young. she started to get yes. <laughs> symptoms. I have to say, after six weeks, um, she felt tired, even though there were no there was no It healed perfectly fine. Um, The breasts were nice and soft. She never had any infection. Everything looked great, but she felt really tired. Um, And it was just getting worse and worse and worse. And initially, I just thought I'll take them out and have a look inside. Um, um, And I took them out and... The implants hadn't ruptured, they were all intact. I gave her an uplift and she felt great within 24 hours, and she was very young. So it can happen wow. at any age, it's not related to. It. Just goes to show. Yeah. Doesn't it? It just goes
2: to show that it just this, this systemic reaction can happen to anyone at any time. And that's that's the key, isn't it, that we're all trying to do here is raise that awareness so that if you do decide to get them, none of us are standing here or sitting here saying don't have them. It's totally your choice. But at the end of the day, as long as you know what you're walking into and if you get these symptoms, you know how you can walk out of it at, as, again at a rather large expense. <laughs> but, you know, you know what you're walking into. <laughs> into. (laughs) I did aim that at you, Debs, yeah.
1: (laughs) I know. It was a very expensive six months.
2: Oh, guys, thank you so much for coming on and chatting with us today. Dahlia, you have been an absolute dream. I kind of want, I don't know about you, Debs, I want to have like a, I want to have something where we have half an hour with Dahlia answering your questions because you're just so knowledgeable and so fabulous. <laughs> that would be great. And, yeah. and Serena, I just adore you. And, you know, I am so glad that you worked out exactly what what was wrong with you um, so that you could just get back to being that fabulous person that you are and thank you so much for introducing us to
3: dahlia as well you're very welcome